You are listening to The Dish on Health IT, brought to you by Point of Care Partners, a leading health IT consultancy. Each episode will feature a rotating panel of senior consultants and guests who will talk about trends and innovations in health IT, while also highlighting how organizations can leverage these advances to solve their business problems. The Dish on Health IT hosts Pooja Babra and Jocelyn Keegan welcome guests from the National Council for Prescription Drug Programs, or NCPDP. We welcome NCPDP President and CEO Leanne Stember, COO and NCPDP Foundation Executive Director John Hill, and Christian Tadras, Vice Chair of the NCPDP Board of Trustees. These veteran standards development leaders will discuss the achievements and innovations underway at NCPDP, including the pilot of the National Facilitator Model designed to provide real-time prescription testing and immunization data to public health, the coordination of care and innovation work group focused on standards to support pharmacist-provided clinical services, pharmacogenomics, digital therapeutics, and promising developments in pharmacy interoperability. We hope you find today's episode informative and helpful. If you have topic ideas you'd like us to cover in future episodes, be sure to share them with us by emailing us at podcast at POCP.com or tweeting us at POCPHIT. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dish on Health IT, where we invite health IT innovators to break down and discuss some of health IT's biggest news and most exciting milestones. We at Point of Care Partners are health IT consultants who work with stakeholders across the healthcare ecosystem and are viewed as independent trusted party like Switzerland. I'm Pooja Babra, the PBM and pharmacy lead here at Point of Care Partners, and I'll be your host for this episode. So my colleague and co-host, Jocelyn Keegan and I have actually been waiting to have this organization on as a guest for a very long time. This organization has been pivotal in standards creation, and I'm thrilled to have guests from the National Council for Prescription Drug Programs, or NCPDP, including Christian Tadras, who is currently the Vice Chair of the NCPDP Board of Trustees, Leanne Stember, President and CEO of NCPDP, and John Hill, COO of NCPDP and the NCPDP Foundation Executive Director. And I just have to say, as the outgoing chair of the NCPDP Board of Trustees, I've had the honor and privilege of working alongside our guests today and consider them all really long-held friends and colleagues. So I'm really excited uh, for our listeners to get to know not only them, but the work, that, the innovative work that NCPDP is doing. And after we finish really our introductions, we're going to be talking about the pilot program of the National Facilitator Model, which is designed to provide real-time information on prescriptions, testing, immunization, other related data. We're going to talk a little bit about the new care coordination and innovation workgroup known as Workgroup 20, which is focused really on developing, enhancing standards to support pharmacist-provided clinical services. We're going to touch on precision medicine, specifically pharmacogenomics, digital therapeutics, and we're going to touch on pharmacy interoperability and promising developments in that realm. So before uh, we jump in to introduce our guests, I'm going to have Jocelyn briefly introduce herself and tell us what she's looking forward to learning from today's discussion. Jocelyn? Hey, Pooza, thanks so much. I am so excited to have this team here today. I feel like in so many ways, NCPDP is like home. It's where I really learned um, how to work in the standards arena. 
in my work with bringing the draft standard for um, EPA live longer ago than I'd care to admit, um, and then also spent time with Pooja and a number of other folks really getting focus and attention on specialty workflows and getting work group 18 started. So really excited to be here uh, for folks that only know me sort of in the payer provider side of the world. My work here at POCP is focused on payer provider collaboration today. Um, I still spend some time in prior authorization, but um, I'm really excited to spend some time to get an update and really have a rich conversation of all the amazing work and progress we've made in the pharmacy space and, uh, and continue to pull those learnings into other parts of the market. Great. Thank you, Joss. All right, let's meet our guests now. So I'm going to have each of you briefly introduce yourselves and tell our audience why you're passionate about what you do. So Christian, I'm going to start with you. Thanks, Pooja. I really appreciate being invited to be here on the podcast today. Um, as you noted, I'm the current vice chair of NCPDP, following along in your footsteps, and, and I appreciate having uh, the opportunity to work with you over the years and learn from you. It's been an exciting ride for me, and looking forward to the next few years as we move move our organization forward and some of the initiatives we've got going. Uh, my background is that I'm an independent community pharmacist. I call myself a primary care pharmacist because I'm on the front lines doing preventative types of care and generalist activities, but also leaning into a little more of the specialty work as well. Uh, I've been involved with NCPDP for the last 10 or so years, primarily contributing from a standards uh, development perspective, contributing the value uh, and the perspective really that gets around what the independent pharmacist has to deal with from their, their aspect of our sector of the industry. Um, which could be different from other uh, areas of participation. My lean has historically been a little more strategic planning, governance, helping to raise awareness of the standards with legislators, regulators, professional pharmacy organizations. Um, I do participate in a, on a state board of pharmacy, which gives me sort of a regulatory perspective, how it impacts pharmacists and their professional activities. I sit on the board of the National Community Pharmacist Association, which represents 19,000 independent community pharmacists across the country. And then we also leg into a little bit of clinical activity with a 3,500 location clinically integrated ph accountable pharmacy organization that's really focused on value-based care. And I, I was fortunate enough to be appointed to ONC's uh, high-tech task force on pharmacy interoperability, which I'm sure you're going to talk about a little bit later. Great. Thanks, Christian. And I don't know how you do it all. And I'll tell you, your name probably came up two or three times on the couple calls I was on earlier. <laughs> so huge wealth of information. So thanks for joining us. Uh, Leanne. I'm going to have you introduce yourself. Hello, Pooja and Jocelyn. It's such a treat to spend some time catching up with you in this whole group today. I am, as stated, Leanne Stember, President and CEO of NCPDP. And it's been an amazing 43 years of my leading NCPDP, if you can believe it. And I couldn't be more proud of the incredible work of this organization really blazing a trail for interoperability and real-time data exchange that is truly making a difference in people's lives. I represent NCPDP with several government agencies, other standards organizations, healthcare industry associations, and coalitions. And I serve on the boards of WEDI, the NCPDP Foundation, and the University of Arizona School of Pharmacy Board. You can also find me on advisory boards for CAQH Core, Cover My Meds, and Script Drop. Plus, I am the co-founder of NCPDP's Women's Leadership Initiative. In terms of what I'm passionate about, it's just about everything. I love this organization. I love the people. I love the impact. It is such a huge source of pride for me to be leading NCPDP. 
There are so many ways our standards and guidance work behind the scenes are to protect our patients from harm and make healthcare easier for patients as well as the providers. We bring transparency and real-time clinical data to improve the healthcare experience. And as you know, I'm extremely passionate about my family, my work family, as well as my family back home. Great. Thank you so much, Leanne. And John, do you want to go ahead and introduce us? Yes. And before I get started, a big shout out to Pointing Care Partners. We really appreciate you having us join you today. I'm very looking forward to today's session. As stated, I'm John Hill, and I have the pleasure of being the Chief Operating Officer of NCPDP, as well as the Foundation Executive Director. Believe it or not, I've been with NCPP now. It'll be six years coming up in October. And before that, I've been a longstanding member since the early 2000s. And I really kind of helped support NCPP as a member in strategic planning. When I first started NCPP, there was well over, I think, Leanne, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was like 250 people on strategic planning. And I'm telling you what, we were not getting anything done. So we really kind of um, took a step back under Leanne's leadership and repositioned how strategic planning was going to be able to help um, support some of the industry challenges that we're all facing today. And I also have the opportunity to serve today on the board of directors for Pharmacy Quality Alliance. And I think, Pooja, at the, at the tip of your question about what I'm passionate about, I think we all can um, agree that we're all patients. Or we have family members that are patients. And one thing that I think NCPP has done over the last several years is really put the patient in the forefront and how our standards, they may not be sexy, but they do really help improve outcomes and interoperability and allow that patient to have a much better experience than, unfortunately, our parents or grandparents probably had as they were going through the healthcare ecosystem. So I think that's something that we can all be proud of and all the good work that we do to support NCPP and the industry. Yeah, that's great, John. We, you know, there's so much to be said about that, right? About information traveling electronically to, to help the patient improve outcomes. So great. All right. So let's get started with just some basics. Um, I know uh, so there may be some listeners who aren't as familiar as we are about NCPDP with the organization's mission. And so, Leanne, I'm going to have you kind of share that and also maybe tell our audience a little bit about some milestone accomplishments. Happy to answer that, Pooja. NCPDP is an anti-accredited standards development organization, also known as an SDO. We use a consensus building process to create national standards for real-time electronic exchange of healthcare information. Our primary focus is on information exchange for prescribing, dispensing, monitoring, managing, and paying for medications and pharmacy services that are crucial to quality healthcare. Our vision is to lead the industry in healthcare standards and solutions for the common good. And our purpose is to standardize the exchange of healthcare information to improve outcomes. We've been very, very successful at this and have been solving many of these industry challenges for over the past 46 plus years. We ushered in a real-time environment for pharmacy claims and billing, making it quicker and easier for the patients to get their medications. Our standards have automated the time-consuming, labor-intensive process of handling prior authorizations, and we bridged a huge gap between prescribing and adherence by putting information in the hands of the prescribers so that they can make better informed clinical decisions about medication options with the patient at the point of care. 
We are very proud of the fact that NCPDP has been named in federal legislation, including HIPAA, the Medicare Modernization Act, and HITECH. We have also helped address patient safety issues related to unintentional overdose of acetaminophen and dosing issues with oral liquid medications. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, thanks, Leanne. And John, I had no idea how many people are on strategic planning before. So I would, yeah, that's crazy. Um, I would love for you to do just a a quick little bit of a deeper dive into the three year plan um, and talk a little bit about that before we we dive into kind of some of the, the other topics. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that, Pooja. And, and a good a call out to Pooja and Christian because they've been very instrumental in helping guide us as we move our three-year plan forward. We're actually um, in a crossroads with our three-year plan. We initially started our three-year plan about four years ago. And before then, NCPP was really working on a plan year over year. Because keep in mind, every year, Fortunately or unfortunately, Leanne has a new boss. And that that board um, chair basically sets the direction of our strategic vision. But with the challenges that you guys are aware of with what's going on in healthcare today, we really need to step back and look at a better way to be able to move the organization forward and to give Leanne her marching orders so she can give me my marching orders to kind of help execute what NCPP was doing. And over the last year, we've really kind of stepped back and looked at making sure that we're keeping the patient front and center and all our standards that we are trying to develop. And I think some key themes that you need to be aware of, as Leanne had mentioned in some of our milestones, you know, one of, Le- one of NCPP's most value is our members and the fact that we are all looking to improve interoperability and in workflow so that we can make sure that things are more automated. And when you look at that, that's front and center in our current three-year plan today. We kind of identified based off alignment with the NCPP Foundation, we have basically three pillars. We have the role and value of the pharmacist, we have access to care and patient safety. And again, all that information is critical to the patient and our whole industry as we move forward. And under that, we're also looking at industry initiatives that help align to those three core um, pillars, including interoperability, which you'll hear us say continuously throughout today's podcast, as well as health equity, which we'll get into a little bit deeper in the conversation today, and public health. And so when you think about everything that goes through those those, um, six components and how they align, you know, our standards help support if it's the EPA standard, the eCare plan standard, the telecom standard, the real-time pharmacy benefit standard, the day exchange standard, and I can go on and on. But really, that's that's the information today that's kind of helping guide our board and then our staff to execute on our three-year plan. Fantastic. All right. So I'm going to pull on that thread of you mentioned about public health. And Leanne, I'm going to ask you a little bit about the national facilitator model. So I'd love to hear a little bit more. Um, I know, you know, there's definitely a, a pharmacy component to that, but also a public health component. Can you talk a little bit about kind of the work uh, around the national facilitator model and really the the big benefits to public health entities. Absolutely, would be delighted to. Um, NCPDP's national facilitator solution was developed several years ago to address the opioid crisis, specifically the known gaps and challenges with state prescription drug monitoring programs. 
It is a proactive solution that uses existing industry standards to help ensure access for patients who have a valid medical need and avert potential fraud and abuse. It also uses the Universal Patient Identifier, or UPI, powered by Experian Health and NCPDP standards to help assure that the patient information is tied to the right individual. This is a huge challenge with both the epidemic and patient safety, and the UPI addresses this. Pooja, as you know, we have spent years advocating or educating for the National Facilitator Solution, and we have had tremendous support for it on the Hill and from numerous stakeholders, coalitions, and other associations. It's a really powerful solution that gives actionable information to pharmacists and prescribers within their workflows to help detect potential abuse and initiate interventions as needed. It was just a matter of time and timing to get it operational. Of course, then COVID hit. If the solution had been in place, it could have been adopted and to support the public health surveillance clinical intervention as well as responses. Yeah, that's that's great. And Leanne, I know you also have kind of a personal connection to the opioid epidemic. I I, I don't know if you feel comfortable, but I'd love if you mind, if you don't mind sharing with our listeners kind of your personal connection to all this. Yeah, not at all, Pooja. I think it's absolutely critically important to talk about it. And yes, I do have a personal connection to this. Little did I know when we started having conversations uh, about a decade ago about creating a national model to help with the opioid epidemic, Daniel nearly died multiple times due to his opioid abuse and addiction. He quickly became a pro at doctor shopping to get his prescriptions to support his addiction. It started as it does for many people. He had a sports injury while playing basketball in high school. I am so proud to say today that he has been sober sober for over six years, is married, has two children, and is doing exceptionally well from all perspectives. And every time that I share this story, Pooja, it always seems to open up a conversation with others who have experienced the same thing either in their own household or within their closest network of family and friends. And we all know that drug overdoses were accelerated during the pandemic. The solution could have been instrumental in both the opioid epidemic and for vaccinations during the pandemic. This is why I felt so strongly about committing approximately $100,000 from my endowment fund for phase one of the facilitator solution pilot with STC Health. I strongly believe that this will take us to the next level toward broadening the outcomes of this pilot to a national level. It is our vision that this will become much bigger than vaccinations and opioid tracking and expand towards tracking other disease state management medications as well as adherence. I also believe with the Experian Health and STC that we do have the right partners lined up and we are all committed to seeing this come to fruition to move this private sector solution forward. Great. Thank you, Leanne, for sharing that. I, I know it's, it's such a powerful story, and it goes back to what John was saying, right? Like, we're all patients. We're all impacted by this. So definitely, uh, you know, thank you for sharing. So, Christian, you're on uh, the pharmacy side. I'd love to hear. I know you were, you know, uh, kind of involved with the, the pilot program as well. Love to hear from your perspective a little bit on the STC pilot, if you, if you don't mind sharing about that. 
Sure. Yeah. I, you know, we're, we're really enthusiastic about this. Our own pharmacies are, are, are part of the pilot pharmacy group that is working to demonstrate the viability of this facilitator model to help address many of the issues that pharmacists are, are dealing with on the front lines every day. Uh, not only are the issues that, uh, that Leanne's spoken to important, but there's a workflow aspect that can be solved by this type of, of model. Um, pharmacists are dealing with the increasing number of vac- vaccinations being given every day. That alone is a workload challenge, but when we add in the lack of visibility to be able to identify where vaccines have been given outside our own states that we reside in, uh, that lack of broad portability uh, can, can be meaningful. Um, and possibly be uh, a very significant safety gap that if we don't have that visibility, we, we could possibly give the wrong vaccines, give them out of series, things like that, or give, give duplicate doses that are unnecessary, causing unnecessary risk to patients and possibly, you know, waste, wasteful dollars of the healthcare spend. So, you know, we have transient patients all over, all over that stop by pharmacies on their way across the country. Uh, we have a mobile workforce. You know, there's a real, real need for a national model that can help help connect everybody so that we have real-time visibility there. Um, we, we need to simplify our reporting. If a pharmacy is sitting on a state line and may have to report a, a, an abundance of of uh, vaccines across multiple states, and, and I hail from Missouri, which borders eight states. You know, it's it's really kind of a big deal when you deal with the states that surround, plus your own, plus anyone that might be a transient involved. You're looking at a multiple of of more than uh, just your own state. So these are these are some solutions that could really be addressed by having a national facilitated model to do that. It does play in also to the population health initiatives that Leanne spoke to, and that. Not only just on a national level, like a, like a pandemic response scenario, but also a local vaccination outbreak response. Uh, we have uh, often we're dealing with a, a, a regional outbreak or even just a very local outbreak of something where people need to have vaccinations done, and being able to query immediately to know who's at risk and who's not is actually something that's very useful. Ultimately, what what excites me about this this is a non law enforcement approach to. Um, looking at something such as, say, a uh, state PDMP solution or a facilitated model that deals with opioid uh, use disorder and or pervasive and suspect behavior. You know, when, when the healthcare professionals involved in the patient's care or being asked on the front lines can make an informed decision, the law enforcement issue becomes less and less of an issue. And, and this is really just a, a necessary tool that providers need in order to keep their patients safe. Yeah, that's such an important point to kind of get it out of that law enforcement. John, anything to add from your perspective? Yeah, just a, a, a couple items, putting on my foundation executive director hat. You know, we were really proud to be able to um, finalize the pilot under phase one based off Leanne's endowment um, that she spoke of earlier. And, and like Leanne said, you know, we're dealing with two crises right now. We're dealing with an opioid crisis, unfortunately. And, you know, we're still having some challenges um, with, with the coronavirus. And I would say that, when you look at our alignment with SCC Health and to expand on what Leanne said with, with our friends at Experian Health and the UPI, which is powered by Experience UIM and NCPP standards, under phase one of the pilot project that we did with SDC Health and Experian, they were able to pull in and integrate the UPI within SD Health platform and be able to improve addresses almost 50%. And when you think about us being on the front line and being able to have that actual data, that critical data that Christian needs in order to do his job, having that information, 
to be able to improve interoperability and the experience with the patient is critical. And the challenges that we face today with, unfortunately, bad day in, bad day out, we really have an opportunity through our standard level process to change that. And I think that was front and center in one of the ahas we had during the pilot with SDC Health. So I'm very proud to be able to showcase that as we move forward. And hopefully under the next um, pilot, if Leanne will give more of her endowment money, we'll be able to do a phase two and really show how our standards, the telecom standard and the strip standard can help improve interoperability for the opioid component uh, of, of the national facilitator model. That's great. So, Joss, I'm going to have you chime in here as well. I know, you know, in your introduction, you said you used to do a lot with NCPDP. I think you spend a lot of time more on kind of HL7 firework now. But but any uh, thoughts on on kind of all this that we've been chatting about? Yeah, it's just it's great to listen to the progress. I think that um, I'd say there's something really amazing, I think, about the work that happens at NCPDP. And there's I'd like the word pragmatism is sort of like underlying sort of everything, right? That everything is so driven by the actual sort of business challenge that's trying to be solved. And how do we get to incremental progress points? And you hear that, right, in the sort of storytelling. Um, Leanne, I think your story is really powerful. And I agree, all of us have sort of our own stories about why sort of getting things like PDMPs up and running and functioning is so critically important. And I think it drives home, you know, Christian, to your point that, you know, how important the pharmacist is in all of this problem solving we're trying to do as an industry and uh, the ability to be able to standardize um, and leverage NCPDP and to get thought leaders out there using things early, demonstrating their power is important because once the data is standardized and normalized, crosswalking it between standards, you know, that's what computers do. Right. And so to me, the being able to unleash and sort of empower sort of this segment of the market to sort of do the most we can with the pharmacists sort of in the seats they're in is really powerful. And then being able to make sure that that those activities that are happening, you know, whether it is an intervention from an opioid perspective, whether it is making sure that vaccine information is that the vaccine is happening, somebody's getting vaccinated and the data is getting back to whatever registry it needs to get to and that PCP you know, to me, that is, you know, that is the, that is the, that's the benefit. And once it's digitized, once in a standardized way, being able to crosswalk it to a fire map, you know, Missouri is such a great example, right? Eight, if there were eight standards being used by each individual state, proprietary formats or standards, right? The burden on each of those individual organizations is really high. So our ability to be able to get, I'd say sort of to the what is the best standard for the end user at a particular time? So we have two or three standards we're crosswalking between and not, you know, a bunch of proprietary or standard-like things that are happening from a vendor perspective in the current world. I think that's the, the really important step forward that we're watching you guys, you know, again, incrementally make sort of project by project a reality. I think the, the pairing of the foundation dollars with the market, being able to get things done early is so incredibly powerful, so... You know, and Jocelyn, just to add on to that, under the National Facilitator Model, you know, we're not looking to replace the prescription drug monitoring programs by the right. states, right? They do a lot of great work, right. but we imagine the power that they were able to use the NCPP UPI, and then we could communicate to that state saying, hey, we found 20 addresses that you unfortunately don't have update. Here's the data. Go collect it, update your system to make you better as you move forward. So that's really what we're trying to do here with the National Facilitator does augment yeah. and support the PDMPs, not replace them. It's this idea of like not making everybody do step one through five over and over exactly. again yeah. and actually getting to the additive value. 
And I feel like in so many places in the industry right now, we're seeing people finally get that point, right? Which is let's not everybody try and build train tracks and connect them across the country. Let's figure out how we build better things to put on the train tracks, right? Right. Right. Great example. Yeah. Joss, I'm going to pull on a, a thread that you that you put out there about, you know, the role of the pharmacist. So, Christian, I'd love to hear from you. You know, we've been as pointing care partners, we write a lot about, you know, how the role of the pharmacist really it hasn't changed a lot. But I think the pandemic really set up, right, like some of the clinical services, the tests and treat, the immunization, things like that. Right. That was kind of the really what has now been driving this change in the role of the pharmacist. Um, and I know at NCPP, we created this new work group around coordination of care and innovation. Love to just hear from your perspective, um, kind of the impetus for that creation of that. And then, John, I'm going to turn it to you after Christian to ask you a few more questions. So, Christian, just thoughts on that. Sure. Um, as the name implies, uh, that work group captures a lot. And I think John can add to some of that. Uh, you asked me specifically more around the role of value of the pharmacist, so I'll speak to those topics here. That Worker 20 really was uh, an effort by membership, in part, to support the pharmacist professional activities that were expanding, being recognized, things that, uh, you know, the pharmacists are professionally trained to do and had state authorities to do, but weren't traditionally clearly linked to dispensing activities, for example, around the dispensing and payment for a product. So uh, what we were attempting to do there is create a space where the development of standards not tied to the payment of a prescription or direction of a product could be uh, where that work can be done. And it can be coordinated across uh, many different areas, many different standards, many different work groups, both internal and external, to basically better coordinate care that involved the value proposition pharmacists bring to the overall amount of patient care activity that goes on in just taking care of a patient. So um, what we're ultimately also trying to do is, is create more of a space where others that needed and wanted to engage with pharmacists in their professional capacity, uh, but didn't you know, and build interoperable standards around that that made sense for their organizations, that they would feel comfortable in that space, uh, that, that it would, that it was more designed to interface with the larger healthcare ecosystem and really, really tie into the value proposition that pharmacists bring to it. Um, and it's ultimately just a space we're trying to, uh, that's more likely to feel more comfortable to those that typically don't see value in, in participating in NCPVP because they're not directly involved with adjudication and payment of drugs, e-prescribing, or use of uh, some of the other standards that we've uh, made prominent, in, at least in the pharmacy world. So, um, yeah, I think I think John and, and, and Leanne might expand on that on some of the other areas of innovation that we're engaged with, but think about it from a standpoint of we're really trying to make sure that there's a there's a good interoperable workspace as well in our organization that that's inviting and makes sense for uh, not only our internal members that needed a space to work, but also external players that wanted to participate with pharmacy as well. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, for, for many years, right, I mean, we had to build the standard to get the prescriptions and over and the payments done. But now, like, how can we improve on that? That's great. So, John, um, I know a couple of task groups were approved under this new work group in our most recent work group meetings in Spokane. Can you tell us a little bit about those and anything just in general to add to Christian's response? Yeah, sure. And just to add to Christian's response to begin with, all right, let's do a little polling. How many of you on this podcast received their vaccine from their pharmacist? All right. Yay. Everyone's hands went up. <laughs> okay. How many people, when they were like 
10 years old received their vaccine from their pharmacist, right? Yeah, not I mean, look how far we've come. And when you yeah. step back and think about NCPP standards and to what Christian was saying, yes, our standards were all predicated on helping to, to, to pay that transaction, which is, you know, a, a well-deserving cause. But now you look at how NCPP was front and center during that pandemic. And the fact that CMS came to us and we worked with all our volunteer members to determine how was a pharmacist going to be able to dispense and get paid for the service that they were administering. And so that really is at the forefront and the cornerstone of this new work group that we've created. And it's really to try to step back and look at how do we enhance the role and value of the pharmacist and allow them to improve, again, the patient experience where the patient wants to receive their care. And this has a lot of value across not only in CPP, but in the conversations I'm having today with Pharmacy Quality Alliance and what they're trying to do from a forefront looking in for measurement standards and our good friends at HL7 and what they're doing with, with FIRE. And, and when you think about that, that's what's really kind of led us to this new work group. And I'm, I'm happy to report under Pooja's direction, we got one new task group authorized and approved in last August. And that's the ADT task group, the Admission Discharge Transfer Task Group. And there's obviously a lot of opportunity of data that could be collected from the pharmacist to help through the admission process, the discharge process, and the transition process. And I think we all can experience firsthand with ourselves or with our family members that that can be pretty challenging sometimes when you're moving from a in-hospital setting to an outpatient setting. So really looking forward to um, some of the standards that we could develop and to help the reporting requirements under that front. And then on another vein, we've also developed and approved the health equity task group. And when you think about where we're going with social determinants of health and the fact that everyone has their own little secret sauce on health equity, we know that there's probably 20, 30 data elements that we all could come together as an industry and codify and say, hey, regardless of how you see health equity, these will always be front and center and the same across the board to help streamline the process and make it easier for the patient to receive the care that they need and then allow the trading partners to have all the data they need to move forward on how they're tackling health equity. So really looking forward in the next year, what that um, health equity um, group can come up with. And just a plug for the um, foundation, you know, the foundation has grant, man grant money ready and willing to be able to support a grant that would improve and show how NCPP standards may help move us forward in, in that area. So really looking forward to seeing what happens in the next year with that task group. Yeah, I love that, John. And, you know, to, you brought up kind of this collaboration with HL7. I think the other thing is, you know, the Gravity Project, and we've yes. uh, kind of mentioned that, you know, one of the accelerators that, you know, has ability, right, to capture codified data and how can mm -hmm. we make sure that pharmacists are brought into that effort as well. So that's fantastic. So um, I want to switch gears a little bit to the innovation side um, of uh, what we've been talking about. And John, I'm going to start with you this time. I know, you know, one of our focus has been the idea of, you know, pharmacists kind of offering broader clinical services. And I think precision medicine and specifically pharmacogenomics falls into that umbrella. I'd love to kind of have you chat about that a little bit. I think you also have a personal story around this. And I know NCPDP is doing some great work around this as well. So I'd love to just have you kind of talk a little bit about that. Sure, I'd be happy to. So today, NCPP, under the direction of the board and our strategic planning committee, we do have a special committee that's really stepping back and looking, how can we look at the data that's being collected for pharmacogenomics? So 
think about some of the testing and lab work that's being collected today. Again, how can we codify that and get that information workflow to allow the pharmacist to make better choices and better decisions on how they're going to deliver care and obviously um, share that information with the health plan to determine the holistic picture of, of the patient. And um, personally, you know, unfortunately, or fortunately, because sometimes I think I was blessed to go through this, but I really had a fight for my life in 2015. I was diagnosed with um, stage three squamous cell carcinoma. And unfortunately, I had to go through a very intensive round of chemo and radiation, the gift that keeps giving at the same time. And during that time, I was thankful that my provider allowed me, I had to pay out of pocket, but they did do pharmacogenomic testing on me to determine the chemotherapy that they were planning to put me on. And again, I had chemo just to help enhance the radiation, but they decided that the chemo that they thought they were going to put on, they decided not to put me on that chemo and put me on another um, course of treatment just that I thought was better just based off my pharmacogenomic testing. And knock on wood, seven years later, I'm cancer-free. But, you know, who knows if I didn't have that testing, right? Yeah. And have that and that opportunity to make that decision with the chief pharmacist and my radiologist and my oncologist to determine, you know, what was the best path for John Hill, not just what was the normal generic path to treat my type of cancer. So I think, you know, NCPP's work in this area is really going to help move us forward again in enhancing the role and value of what the pharmacist can do and helping the patient experience in, in the healthcare journey. Yeah, great. Thanks for sharing that, John. Um, Kristen, you mentioned about CPESN, and I've noticed lately there's kind of a lot of uh, effort within CPESN uh, to talk about pharmacogenomics and get pharmacists educated. Would love to just hear from your perspective a little bit more about, about your thoughts on the pharmacy side of it. Yeah, I think it, um, especially in increasingly in community pharmacy world, there's a recognition that, that the time to get somebody under control can vary. Uh, what looks like abuse-seeking behavior and opioid use dependency scenarios where certain people are on uh, certain types of medications and they tend to be fast metabolizers, so they appear that they're not working, they're constantly asking for more and more Medications are going through a lot in a short period of time, which creates the inference that possibly they're not taking their medication correctly or they may be not using it correctly. So there's a a large body of evidence growing, uh, clinical evidence supporting some use cases. John's mentioned the oncolytic scenarios. Those are certainly areas where cost control makes sense. But in the day-to-day routine activities the community pharmacies are involved with, uh, it would be very helpful to help dial in patients struggling with mental health much faster if we had a better handle on what type of medications are more likely to work. Even if they're not truly covered on the formulary, at least on the initial formulary list, it at least allows us to have a discussion and work with the payer and the purchaser in a way that can uh, uh, maybe speed the time to control. With an opioid use dependency, it could also explain why somebody might be behaving in a certain manner that looks like one thing when what that may look like addictive uh, uh, or recreational use uh, of something or possibly illicit sell the stuff on the streets kind of activity, but was really just pain relief seeking behavior. And if we can get those people's pain under control faster because we have good information and the information that closes the gap to making decisions, that's that's going to be immensely valuable, not only to the patient, but also to the to the overall healthcare system. Um, I think it's important that we look at that. Uh, what we have now, we have Compendia, for example, that have a lot of enzymatic data, metabolism data, 
And those of us in the pharmacy world see those messages pop up. We get alert fatigue from them every day in our systems, right? They're they're almost non-actionable because we don't have the other piece of the equation, which is, yeah, this enzyme um, scenario, uh, metabolism scenario may be relevant, uh, but I have to guess at it. And and so having pharmacogenomic data that might actually reinforce the idea that that is really happening, we can make an informed decision. So uh, I would like to see some of this data standardized and brought into the world of exchange so that we can, uh, whoever has it can actually help exchange that so we can make decisions wherever we are in the patient's care journey. Yeah. Joss, I'd love to hear your perspective, especially from the payer side. I think Christian brought up a lot of really good points, right, about kind of managing that patient. So would love to kind of hear your thoughts from the payer perspective. I'm going to say out loud that I miss this world. So um, it's been <laughs> awesome to listen to you guys talk. And, and, and John, to have you share your story, I think is amazing. Because I think we, like, it's a, what an amazing time we live in, right? That these are the types of conversations we have about how we get to this level, I think, of detail and understanding. I think that there's this amazing convergence happening in this conversation, right, around really understanding an individual patient and their reaction to the drugs that they're taking. And you pair that with the work that's happening over in the payer space, where we're really trying to get to treating patients for value and stop paying fee-for-service, right? So there's this very interesting parallel, right, around efficacy of treatment sort of happening on the pharmacy side of the house and on the what, traditional medical payer side of the house. And if we think about the sort of common thread that's coming in here, it's really this ability to be able to treat the individual, right? Mm -hmm. Based on what their actual care plan is, their insurance is, and what their physical makeup is. And that's amazing, right? Because if we can do that, you know, I think that the, that the sort of the possibilities of improving outcomes, saving resources, right? Like, you know, John, when you were talking about sort of the vaccine and, you know, us being able to go to CVS, I go to CVS to get my vaccine because it is way easier for me to make an appointment on an app to get into CVS to get my entire family vaccinated at once. That's about access, right? But then you think about sort of the efficacy piece, I think that you and Christian are getting at, right? With the pharmacogenomics piece, which I'm really proud of myself that I said that cleanly the first time around, because I never say it correctly. But but you think about that, right, paired with we all have people that are going through treatment with cancer. And, you know, I've, 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 I've decided I want to stop adulting, but because it's awful. But I think that, you know, it's, it's a solvable problem now. And it's like, mm -hmm. what's going on with you and where you're at with the disease that you have? And what's the best treatment path? And then you pair that with the what will your insurance company actually pay for, right? And our ability, you know, again, going back to this thread of, you know, whether it's HL7 or X12 or NCPDP, what is the data that we can surface so that the people that are sitting in front of you trying to care for you, great if it's the pharmacist and we get more value, right, and access out of that pharmacist, but what is the right information that's available in that real-time interchange, right? I think we're just at this precipice of, healthcare operating like the rest of our world does, right? About the right information being available at the right time. And that's incredible, right? Um, we're not there yet, we're getting there. But I think that the more we can focus the conversation on what is the right care pathway that's gonna get us to that best outcome and start stop putting pills into people that aren't working for them, right? Because genetically, they're, they're just never gonna work for them and we're wasting money in that way. The smarter we can get there, paired with that trend towards value, and, you know, are, am I doing the right thing with this patient and outreaching to this patient with the care provider that's closest to this patient to be able to get that interaction? You know, I, I just, I feel so optimistic listening to you guys talk 
about the promise, right, of really where we are because we've gotten to this level of granularity that we can really do these things in a meaningful way. And I think that if we can prove them out, and again, I think where the foundation is really powerful, and I think, you know, sort of the accelerators over on the HL7 side of the house are really powerful, is to get those proof points out in industry that we stop arguing about sort of the mechanics of how fast we can move and we get to chase sort of the promise, of, I think, that the, that, the, that all these standards are bringing to bear for us. Yeah, thank you, Jonathan. Let me Jonathan. get off my soapbox. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. It's so important, though. It's a perfect transition to our next topic, too, which is, you know, you, you brought up the fact, right, that, that you know, whoever's in front of that computer, right, they need that information. So I do want to touch briefly um, on pharmacy interoperability. And I know recently, um, you know, Christian, you had mentioned, and, and uh, we talked about a little bit earlier, the Office of National Coordinator, who is the federal agency that kind of oversees electronic health records, you know, data exchange, all of that kind of stuff. They recently started this pharmacy interoperability task group. And so I just want you to kind of share your thoughts on that task group. To me, it was such a, a really a huge, I think, leap forward to get that recognition, right, that, that pharmacists are becoming part of the care team. And how can we make sure that, you know, not only do they have access to data, but how do we share that data? So do you want to just share quickly, uh, Christian, on, on your kind of experience and thoughts on the ONC task group? Yeah, yeah. Um, so shout out to Trisha Lee Roll for, for making this come to existence. Uh, you know, pharmacy uh, is just one piece of a larger healthcare sector and kind of sat over on our silo for so many years. And then this is, uh, is kind of validation that pharmacy needs to be brought into the bigger decision-making concept, at least from the, the fabric of the national IT infrastructure, healthcare IT infrastructure and planning. So, uh, you know, the, being able just to have a uh, task force that, that explores many of the topics that pharmacy is engaged in or needs to be engaged in is just a welcome ass. So uh, I, I feel privileged to be on it. I know you've been on these types of things before, but just know that the broader ecosystems listening is important. And I think it's going to lead to some really good stuff. I think uh, I think not only is the welcome um, addition, I think it's going to evolve over time and really start uh, getting a lot of the different organizations that are involved, the stakeholders as well as the standards organizations involved in healthcare IT working closer together. So at a high level, that's kind of where I, I see the value of this exercise. You know, the recommendations are going to be presented in November by the task force, and then we'll see where it goes from there. But I think that we've already uncovered a number of use case scenarios that need to be addressed for public health, as well as ongoing interoperability solutions that involve pharmacy and pharmacists. Some of those are short-term recommendations and some will be long-term, but the recognition and the engagement and the dialogue, not only just from the pharmacy side of the equation, but the medicine side, as well as the patient advocacy side, it's good dialogue that the nation needs to have right now. Yeah, definitely. It's been fascinating to just kind of think about, you know, we all live and breathe this pharmacy side and transactions and standards and to even just bring that in front of people, right, that may not be familiar with that. All right. So, John, anything to add to that? And I, I know we're, this has been an amazing conversation, but I think we probably need to start wrapping up. So, John, anything to add to that? You know, I, mean, you know? I, I think we could go on all afternoon, right? But yeah. I think Kristen did That's a great job on that. And NCPP Leanne and I are also participating, just hearing on that task force. So, looking forward to seeing what all you, you guys do and contributing to that. So, I appreciate both you, Pooja, and Christian, and supporting and having NCPP's voice heard um, during that task force. Fantastic. Excellent. 
Joss, anything to add before we kind of close up this conversation? The only thing I would say that's additive here is I think that the recognition and sort of that elevation of the pharmacy workflows is incredibly important. I don't think that people that live outside of pharmacy really understand the progress and the realness of automation in real time that we've been able to achieve over here on the pharmacy side. So it's great to see it sort of getting its equal time out in the market. It's awesome. (laughs) And Pooja, in closing, I'd just like to extend an invitation to all of you to get involved with NCPDP. And you can do this very easily by joining a task group. You don't need to be a member and take part in some of our problem-solving processes. I can assure you that it's an incredibly rewarding opportunity for you, that you're going to really learn a lot of aspects of some of the issues that we're dealing with and how different stakeholders are um, affected by this. And most importantly, I believe it's an opportunity to help um, make um, healthcare better, safer, and more efficient. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that, Leanne. And and I'm going to kind of go around the horn and ask everyone, because I do think, you know, just hearing the conversation, hopefully people recognize, right, there's so much happening now at NCPDP, so many different areas to get involved, all the talk about interoperability, care coordination, health equity. So in addition to uh, Leanne's, John, anything else to add to that in terms of kind of what you want our audience to, to take away from, from the conversation? So other than we really appreciate, again, having this time to spend with you today and like and say, get involved, roll up your sleeves. And, you know, more more people we have and more voices we have just makes us stronger and makes our standards stronger. So, you know, we, we're open to um, having you um, come and, and have fun with us. Excellent. And standards are fun. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. We do Christian, have fun, though. We I do have well. fun. That's true. We do. We absolutely do. Christian, anything to uh, find kind of final thoughts? Well, hopefully uh, your listeners have picked up on a theme that, you know, I'm really asking you to challenge your own organization to better understand the value proposition of using pharmacists as part of the patient's extended healthcare team. You know, keeping these highly trained professionals in the loop really can only result in better communication with patients, less confusion at the pharmacy counters, uh, more data being collected on health statuses, and overall better health outcomes. Also, enjoying work with twin. Good. Excellent. Joss, final word. I would just say that, um, you know, sort of doubling down on Christian's point, I think understanding in the world that we live in now and access to care being so critical, people really understanding how best to leverage all of the endpoints that are available. And the pharmacist plays a really important role there, especially on our journey to get people to value. And I'm super excited to hear what's going to come out of the new work group. This has been so much fun for me today. It's been great to see you all. Thank you. Thank Thank you you very much. So in closing, I just want to thank, of course, my POCP co-host, Jocelyn Keegan. I know she always hears me talking about pharmacy, so it was wonderful. I agree to be able to kind of talk about this on the podcast. Um, and of course, thank you to our remarkable and, and really steadfast guests, uh, Christian Tadras, John Hill, and Leanne Stember. Really just, you know, I'm always so excited to hear and be part of kind of what's happening on the pharmacy side. And it's great, like we've mentioned, you know, to kind of get that visibility even more broadly now. So in closing, just a friendly reminder to our listeners that you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you use to pick up your podcast. Um, and we're also on the Healthcare Now radio. Uh, so take a look out for that. Um, we also post videos of our podcast episodes, um, sometimes longer versions on the POCP YouTube channel. Uh, so take uh, make sure you t- check that out as well. And don't forget, Health IT is the dish best served hot. 
Is it a challenge to stay on top of interoperability regulations and the flurry of activity with fire accelerators? Email us at interopoutlook at POCP.com to learn more about our new interoperability outlook subscription monitoring service. 